Greetings program. Hello and welcome to Tronologically Speaking, a movie-by-minute podcast talking about Disney's 1982 movie Tron. This is Minute 68. I'm your host, Duncan Shields, and returning with me today is my splendiferous, caring, and brilliant guest co-host, Paul Sullivan. Hey! Welcome, Paul. Hey, I am so glad to be back, and um, I'm the host of Locked On MLB podcast, where we talk about all Major League Baseball teams, and fans of the Movie by Minute world may know me as a guest on a bunch of shows. I'm also the host of the Bull Durham Minute, which is about my favorite baseball movie of all time, which is Bull Durham. Probably could have figured that out. Great and film. I've been a comedian, a TV producer, and a writer, and an actor, and all that other garbage. But I'm—I've mainly been a lover of Tron. <laughs> and actually, man, I don't remember because we we set up me doing this a, a while ago. But I don't yeah. remember if I requested these minutes. If you said, or if you just said, "Here are the minutes we want you to do." I don't remember either way. But if I were to request a minute in the film. It would probably be this one we're doing right now. I'm really glad to hear that. I think we, I think this was just uh, the windows that I had free at the time. Well, so, I'm so, this... I'm so glad because this, this specific minute, sixty-eight, is, I just love this minute with every fiber of my being, uh, and we'll get into why. But uh, yeah. I, I, I just, I love this minute, and so I'm yeah. so happy that I got this. There's been a few times during this uh, podcast that that's happened, where it's been like, I am so glad that I have these specific minutes, and so I'm really, I'm really happy that that's uh, that's happening again. Do you know who I feel right. badly for? The What's person that? who's doing the Tron Minute podcast here. I'm sorry, whatever you're calling this, I'm calling it the Tron Minute yeah. podcast. Yeah, yeah. And they get the scene of Bruce Bikeslitner eating popcorn and walking out of his cubicle. I'm like, you have all this. <laughs> This incredible imagery and and symbolism and colors that some poor schmuck got Bruce Box other shoving popcorn in his mouth. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm glad I didn't get that minute. So, well, there's always something to talk about. The real world minutes were uh, were pretty fascinating. I know, but I just uh, for me personally, hear, yeah. This is where this is a real pivotal moment. So, like, what what happens in this particular minute? Like, Tron lets his disc float up the beam to Alan One. Alan One talks to Tron and gives him the plans needed to attack the MCP at its weak point, erase the whole program, and change the system. You know, this is like a Venn diagram of everything that works in this film. And it's odd because it doesn't have my two favorite actors in the film, which are David Warner and Jeff Bridges. Yeah. Um, so, but when I was, I rewatched the whole movie just uh, three or four days ago, just to kind of get myself back in the Tron mood and remember all the little details in it and this is a scene this is essentially uh i'm not a religious person at all and people who know me know that i'm actually i'm i'm a i'm a non-believer but yeah i i but this is i could still be moved by people having a religious experience i'm not dead and what we're watching in this scene is a kind of a, a an, an episode of Gnostic theism that this is yeah. not just belief in a God, but you're getting confirmation of it. Yeah. And this is whether there was any doubts in Tron's mind that the users are there and could hear us. He's now on Mount Sinai right now. That's right. This is like, and you have the tablet. So there's, there is a little bit of Moses going on here. 
I, I don't yeah. mind going down this road here, especially because I'm not personally, I'm not a believer, but as I said, I could be moved by this. I've been her makes me cry, you know, yeah. but he has his tablet here. He's getting his, you know, this is not really the commandments, but he's getting, he is connecting with the God that he is, that he personally worships. Yeah. And that he that that commands him, that speaks to him as a disembodied voice, and this is when you and I were speaking in the previous minute that there could this film could have been a situation where they cut back and forth between Tron and Alan in his cubicle yeah. at Encom, sort yeah. of tip, tip, tippy typey tippy typing away. And I am so glad they didn't for this specific scene, because if you have seen Tron floating his disc up through the through the light beam and just so yeah. beautifully going up through the light beam and the Wendy Carlos music which on its own I would never listen to but yeah. in the context of the film is exactly the type of music this film needs yeah. I think people who criticize the music criticize it as I, I don't want to listen to this on my you know on my iPhone while I'm jogging well neither do I yeah, sure. But in the in how it integrates, you couldn't have a John Williams score in here. No. And you couldn't have Journey playing their end credits song here. You have yeah. to have a song that you have to have music that doesn't feel like it's from the natural world. Yeah. You know, to suddenly hear violins and pianos <laughs> in this world wouldn't fit. And that's yeah, that's what this is. Like I think any sort of crit I think that's where people that criticize this music are coming from, which to be fair, I've only heard like one person say that they didn't like it. Oh, but I've heard they, I've heard yeah. people criticize the music, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, I love Tron. And as a kid, I had soundtracks like crazy. I never got mm -hmm. the Tron soundtrack. I never had any desire to listen to this music outside yeah. of this. But also think about another movie which whose score was nominated for an Oscar, uh, Close Encounters. That how yeah. much of that is the sound of the you know the ships going do 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 but also like kind of weird like like stuff like when the vacuum cleaner and the the house is going crazy when the kids right. being abducted i'm not going to pop that in while i'm on the treadmill <laughs> yeah but yeah, it yeah. works for the film the same thing for the shining for the you know which wendy yeah. carlos also worked on the shining that's right that's that right. the music is a lot of the music in that film like when danny is going around on his big wheel and he, you know to room 237 or he sees the girls on the you're not going to listen to that. Yeah. That's no one's first dance at their wedding. Yeah, that's true. That's but true. in the context of the movie, it works. And in the context of this, and I believe you, you gave me on the Google notes, the, the, this film is called Let Us Pray. Uh, Tower yeah. Music, Let Us Pray. It's yeah. perfect. This is the, con is the connection to his deity. Yeah. And it comes up a lot during in previous minutes, too, was there's this... Like the religious elements of this movie are overt and subtle at the same time. There's and profound. There's some, and, and, and the next minute there's a profound, very profound yeah. thing too, but we'll get to that when we get to there. Yeah. Um, I, also, I also appreciate that they don't cut back and forth between, uh, between Al and Bradley. Bradley that would diffuse it so much. That would take away the power of this scene. Of the yeah. when he's saying confirmed Alan one, it's a moment of yes, I'm hearing you, you're real. And you it's cut back and is he's shoving popcorn in his mouth, going tippy 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 tippy. Like, oh I got some on my Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which 
by the way, that element of man and God does come up in the film, but it was yeah. important to not have that be in this scene. And also, yeah, we're getting a hundred percent Tron's experience of what it's like to talk to God here. We're not getting a uh, omnipotent top down both sides of the conversation. We are experiencing this is what programs experience in these chambers is they get a shaft of light, they get a voice from the sky, and they get their instructions and they get uh, confirmation of uh, a power above them. And it's 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 an interesting thing in the context of this film because they're all going to church there's a belief in the users but their their gods talk they get instructions they get actual communication and so that's amazing that's a really well, that's, really amazing that's thing. why i said it's an example of gnostic theism that yeah. you know gnostic meaning the the knowledge and theism meaning belief like you could yeah. be an agnostic atheist saying i don't have knowledge of the existence of a god but I don't believe they're real. I think most yeah. people are agnostic theists. Like I don't have knowledge. I have faith and belief. Uh, if you're a Gnostic theist, or if you're a, if you claim to be a Gnostic atheist, you're pretty arrogant. I, I myself consider myself to be an agnostic atheist. But if you right. if you claim to be a Gnostic theist, we tend to put you in a padded room. Oh sure, right. I see. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now we're looking. This is an example of he now has knowledge as well as belief. Yeah. And so that moment of confirmed Alan one, it's not just confirmed this, this communication. That's a weighted line that's saying confirmed you're real. Confirm my yeah. belief is true. I now have yeah. knowledge. It's beyond belief at this point. And yeah. knowledge yeah. is a subset of belief, but it's a very specific subset of belief that he has confirmation. Confirmed yeah. Alan one. Because you see it. Yeah. Yeah. Like when they're in the, in, when they're in the crystal energy cave. Mm -hmm. right he drinks up he drinks some of it and he goes back up to full power and that lets him he's like wait a second i sense alan calls to me we have to go let's roll and uh that's that kind of that's a baptism but it's also that feeling of like i i can i have a vague sense of god talking to me i have a vague sense of the direction i should go in and uh it feels strong but it's a feeling and this but this moment like you said is like confirmed this is confirmed of course that scene i know we're going back a little bit that scene is one of my favorite comedic moments of he had this religious moment and ram and flynn did it and like i I'm, we're yeah. gonna keep drinking and yeah, of course like and not even realizing he's in the presence of a god at that particular moment well, and that's, it's like you were saying with Gnostic uh, theists being like, okay, sure. Like he has to say, oh, my memory is a bit scrambled from the transport because it's like, if he was like, oh, I'm a, I'm a user. They'd be like, uh-huh, sure thing. You know, they wouldn't be like, oh, great. It's a user. Like if your friend just suddenly said, hey, I'm God, you'd be like, well, that's. Yeah, we, we, would, okay. we would put you away. <laughs> yeah. Right. You got to talk to somebody. <laughs> Oh, right. by the way, before we, I guess it's before the confirmed Alan. That's, I hope you're getting why I was so enthusiastic to get this minute is basically that line because it is, it's my favorite kind of line because whether or not Steven Lisberger and Bonnie McBird, the screenwriters of the film, meant that to be profound or whether that was inadvertently profound, I don't care. It is profound. I think it was a, a bit of both, but yeah. 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 Now, when he lets go of his disc, which of course, 
this is such a beautiful scene. Uh, as we yeah. mentioned in the previous minute, on set, it's the dude from Scarecrow and Mrs. King in a weird costume and a black set holding a Frisbee in the air. That's right. But on film, it's this glorious uh, exercise of a spiritual confirmation. But when yeah. he... I, I had said in the last minute that this film doesn't remind me of many other films visually. This is a scene where there is a specific visual like him on the bottom there does kind of remind me of as i said before the v'ger where they finally spoiler alert for star trek the motion picture <laughs> when they finally find the voyager probe and that's kind of in the middle of this sort of uh they had to walk over these hexagons and that's in the bottom yeah. of this sort of uh altar where like the all the curved things curve into the voyager this probe focal dish and this when the disc is going up into that little uh, vortex, and the fractals are, fly, are are firing underneath him. But when it goes up the vortex, and it does look like it does kind of remind me of in the Close Encounters special edition when Richard Dreyfus is looking up, and there's like all the UFOs are flying around inside the mothership, and there's the big there's like this big like cylinder that these arms kind of fall down as light is shining down on Richard Dreyfus. It does kind of remind me of that a little bit, but then it shoots off into the light tower and the blue turns, the red turns blue and yeah. it's just beautiful. And then Barnard Hughes, who is, I don't know, is he hitting on? Is, is, is... I'm not entirely sure what this whole thing, because it cuts back to them and she, they're holding hands and they're looking in each other's eyes and she's sprawled out on the steps she talks a lot about how in that scene specifically they adjusted her for like three hours of like, okay, move your leg over here, move your arm over here. Like this pose is a very deliberate pose that she's in. But I, I, I wonder what, well, yeah, I wonder what it's a, uh, what it's about because in this movie she, she, yeah, she kisses Flynn and she's really affectionate with Tron. And then here she is. She just seems to be like a really friendly program and I can dig that, but. There's nothing She's polyamorous. Really She's a polyamorous <laughs> program, and do you know what? I, I I don't judge. I don't judge. No, nope. nope. Yeah, this free That's love for her. Free love in the MCP. Free love in the MCP, and this scene right here of him letting go the disc into the IO beam. This is what they use on all the posters. So this is like a, this is a pivotal moment this is what they used for all of the advertising and one thing that's really cool about the advertising is that uh the the actor there cindy morgan she's also on the poster and that's a, a nice sort of uh sort of comeback for her because she was left off of all the publicity for caddyshack because she had a, a, dis a disagreement there so it was nice for her to come here and actually be used in the publicity for this there was a uh, someday I'll create this I, I, because I've been eager to do how many posters for sort of fantasy adventure films after Star Wars featured the male protagonist holding yeah. up a weapon or something holding it to the sky yeah. with the female character kind of leaning against them and usually yeah. with the villain superimposed behind them yeah a big giant head behind them that was certainly the case in Conan the Barbarian. That was yep. the case in Flash Gordon. That yep. was in Tron. That mm. was in Krull. Yeah. Uh, that's just off the top of my head. I mean, I'm yeah. sure there are others. But this was him holding the, the, the disc up with the light coming out. And Sidney Morgan, I know exactly the poster is beautiful, but it yeah, is yeah. evocative of 
Luke holding up the lightsaber and Princess Leia kind of leaning next to him with, in that post, the, the original poster for Star Wars uh, from 1977. Yeah. But that's, uh, but, but it's funny because in the context of the movie, uh, Cindy, you know, she's with uh, Barnard Hughes and, and he's, uh, you know, I've not always been a Sphinx, you know, I used to be a pretty good program. <laughs> I wasn't always uh, just, you know, locked to this here place. Yeah, ever, did I ever tell? I ever tell you about the time? Yeah, yeah. Now, the the one thing that's interesting in this, which does have a piece of computer animation, where you see the schematics of yeah the the mainframe, is this is it actually almost feels like the the plans, the Death Star plans, being projected at the briefing before the battle. You know what I mean? Exactly. And it kind of looks and feels like that. And I know it's for the same purpose. It's to show us visually, this is what we got to look for. And you got to put the disc right in there. It's one of the only parts of the film, which I think is kind of lacking in its visual impact because it does remind you of something you've already seen. Or any kind of uh, subtlety. Yeah. And the disc looks like a hamburger going into the, the yeah. middle there. Yeah. But I'm willing to forgive it because the rest of this minute is just so, just so everything firing on all cylinders. Well, we, yeah, because we've got the one thing we do is we've got the music back. Like it, it's been music's been gone for a long time at this point in the film. Like when Flynn kills the guard and takes the red energy into himself, mm-hmm. all happens total silence. There's no there's there's a couple of scenes where you'd think there'd be like a musical sing, a sting or a swell. And there wasn't. And then now here the music's back and you're like, oh, okay, here we go. So yeah, the visuals, the music, everything's going just like 200%. And it really, really, it really works. It's a, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful scene. And I, I totally, I totally get what you're saying. I wonder if... Timing the music is sometimes an underrated thing. I mean, going back to yeah. Star Wars, which I, again, I'm using this because I'm guaranteed anyone listens to have seen Star Wars. Um, there are scenes like, during like the lightsaber battle between Ben and Darth Vader, there's no music until yeah. he looks over and he sees, oh, I, if I give myself up, Luke and Leia and everyone can escape. Then they then the music kicks in. Or through yeah. most of the space, like the 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 two, um, they do the two attack runs, the Y wings and the X wings. There's no music in any of that. It's not until yeah. Red Leader's plane cra- or the X wing pl- crashes and Luke realizes oh boy, I'm in command now. Then yeah. the music starts up again. So there are times not putting music in can be more evocative than anything else. And so when the music kicks in, when Tron goes into the IO tower, it's like, oh, it's on right now. As opposed yeah. to just playing it wall to wall, then there's no significance to it. Yeah, no, I totally, I totally concur. Now the thing with the, with the schematic is this was a scene that was added at the last minute. Mm-hmm. this whole scene was added because they were like, okay, this is confusing. And it goes into a little bit of the, the difference with the, uh, the novel and the screenplay. You can see it here in the, in the novel, Alan one says, uh, there you are before we get cut off again. I want to give you some new coding so you can gain access to the memory core of the master control. And in the screenplay, he also opens up with before we get cut off again, 
which is, I think, a little confusing because it sounds like he's referring to a scene that was cut or that happened off screen or something like that. And he gets interrupted. I'm he glad says, they like, did do I that. I want to give you, he's like, I want to give you access to the MCP's Master Core and you have to search for, and then he gets cut off. And he's like, what? What's the rest of my instructions? And then he leaves kind of sad and despondent. And they, uh, yeah, they changed that up at the last minute. So this, that's, I think that's why this is so on the nose of like, you need to put the disc here. I think that's <laughs> for, it's for, it's for him. And it's also for the audience to like, oh, okay. Whatever else is going on, if I'm lost at this moment, I know that that's what needs to happen next. So, okay, we're off, right? Because I think maybe some of the audiences at this point in the film were starting to feel the confusion and maybe feeling a little bit of like, I have no idea where we are or what's going on. <laughs> you know, I think you know. you, anything that would have taken away from the spiritual significance of this particular moment again, if they had cut back to Alan tippy-typing yeah. away, takes yeah. away from the spiritualist. And to have it be like, hey, how are you? Like, like if look, at, I'm not a big, huge fan of the movie The Ten Commandments, but there's no denying that when Heston's on the mountain and you hear, thou shalt not kill, and the fire goes into the mountain and it blasts it in there, that's pretty, you know, there's, it's, it's pretty cool. And this is, this is kind of an electronic answer to that. And to have yeah. it be like, hey, buddy, what's up? You know, it would be, <laughs> it would completely diffuse what, was, what would be happening at this point. I also just, just right now, I started thinking of another scene that this uh, not really reminds me of visually, but maybe uh, thematically is the map room in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Okay, sure. When he's in there and the light comes in and that when it's not just like, oh, the dot lands on that thing there. Like it's like a beam of light and it creates almost like the 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 hail of the angel's wings. And the look that Indiana Jones has at that moment is, oh my God, this is there's there's more going on here than just a trinket that my ex girlfriend had hanging around her neck. Yeah, there's that look of almost him becoming, uh, again, beyond a believer, but someone who is profoundly, he's getting confirmation, which is probably allows him to know to keep his eyes shut when they open the ark. But, um, but that being said, when on the Indiana Jones Minute podcast, when they did that particular scene, if I remember correctly, the guest was my friend Eric Drysdale, who writes the, the Samantha B, former Colbert writer, and he was yeah. saying that the music m- made that partly a spiritual experience, but you also got the sense that maybe this is an unreliable narrator at this point, that maybe this is someone who is, you're seeing it from his point of view, and maybe it wasn't in reality a spectacular, but this is how he's interpreting it. Oh, interesting, interesting. And maybe this is how Tron is interpreting this particular moment. That that he I'm getting conf- confirmation that my user is real when in reality it probably is Alan with like you know popcorn crumbs <laughs> on him and looking over his shoulder and maybe he is actually typing like, hey Tron uh, by the way uh, I I did this code but instead he's he's having a Spartacus moment right now mm. where you will have freedom if you do this so we're seeing this from Tron's perspective yeah. of this is my user so if it it needs to sound like a deity as opposed to a programmer. Well, it also, I think, because the time, there's a time scale difference. Yeah. Like, the movie seems to take place over the course of a couple of days, but they're 
inside the computer real world time for a very short amount of time. So if you're cutting back and forth between Alan 1 and Tron, then you're like, okay, wait a second. How long is this taking and what's happening? Because he should be moving in super slow motion. Yeah. And when we when we get the uh when we get his words, they are words of like typed in words, like location query. Like it's not like he's on a microphone going, "Hey, can you hear me now?" "Hey, Tron, can you hear me?" Like it's actual. He's he's typing. He's typing stuff in. So it's um, and that what's well, it kind of switches up. It kind of goes back and forth between the two. It's which is another reason why I'm glad they didn't uh, they didn't cut back and forth. Like it's just this is the information that's coming in, and that's all you need to know. And we need to get Tron's side of it. That's a fascinating uh idea about that scene in Raiders, though that this is his memory of it, that it's not a factual representation of what happened. That's just something that he was like, whoa, it blew him away. So his memory of it is blown up. That's a really good idea. Yeah. Well, just, it's, it's what I love about this particular minute. And I, and, uh, uh, it's, it's what, it's what gives this film, this film has, uh, whether it's, intentional or unintentional profoundness and gravitas to me it has it and uh, in the next minute i do want to bring up something very specific it, it wouldn't make sense to bring it up in this minute but right. uh but this element of what belief is religion and, and it's fascinating because i was a theist when i first saw this film and i'm no longer but okay the, but uh, but i am still fascinated by the concept of belief versus knowledge and what that means to to someone's view of the world and i can't think of a film that deals with religion more head-on than tron and the fact that it isn't tied to uh, a specific judeo-christian or it's not tied to islam or buddhism it's just tied to religion as a concept as itself it's yeah. like let's boil it down to a petri dish where we're not saying oh christ is real or mohammed was telling the right thing or it's no no let's just boil down what religious belief really means and yeah. therefore you can put your own you know my roman catholic baggage or whatever that everyone's baggage they bring to it but let's just put it in a bunsen burner on a petri dish and boil it down what does it mean and what are you really believing in and when do you get knowledge and what is it what is it you're expecting your deity to do? And yeah. this film does it unlike any film I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And because it's religion neutral, it's kind of like the force in Star Wars is that sort of a cocktail of every sort of religious belief put in a blender. This is yeah. just, let's take religion down and forget all the dogma. Let's get down to what it really is. Yeah. And it, it makes yeah. this film... Here's this dis. They tried to do a little bit with the Matrix later, but I thought the Matrix was too self-important for me. This just yeah. let's put it in a 1982 Disney film and have the most profound theological conversation I've ever seen in a movie. I totally, yeah, I totally get that. Like in the Forest is more like mysticism almost. It's more like and spirituality and spirituality. But this is like literally you're going into church to talk to God and get your instructions. And even one and of the uh, uh, the red guards i think when he was with ram or whoever yeah. it was at the beginning says yeah. another religious nut throwing uh yeah. 
Uh, no, it wasn't Ram. It was the other dude who. Uh, Crom, Crom, yeah. Yeah, Krom. thank you, thank you. And Ram was the one who said uh, the users is was in the in the jail with him. Yeah, he's like, do you uh, do you believe in the users? Yeah, this is like I'm like that's a hell of an opening line to the to the fellow prisoner, but yeah. But we'll get into it next minute because I have uh, I have some definite definite thoughts of of the colors red and blue in this film. Excellent. Okay. Cool. Well. All right. We'll we'll use that to sort of uh, see God of minute 68 there so in uh brings us to the end of minute 68 i talked a little bit about the differences between the novel and the screenplay already uh so uh yeah you've already told people where people can uh find you if they want to hear more of you we'll go into more detail of that and if you want to get in touch with us just look for tronologically speaking on twitter on gmail or on facebook and get involved in the conversation i'd love to hear what you have to say or any other insights and special thanks to the star wars minute and moviesbyminutes.com go on over there and see if your favorite movies are there there's a lot of fantastic films there like bull durham like bull, like bull durham <laughs> one of my favorite baseball movies as well that's uh it's it's weird i'm not that into baseball but i love most of the baseball movies there's uh, a lot of really good there are some good ones there's some good ones some good ones out there all right you want to try a little uh, end of line on three okay. One, two, three. End of line.